On today's show, the Hawks go down in their final game before Christmas. We'll talk about all of what transpired in this game and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1616 of the Lofton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Fix, the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And the place to go is prizepix.com slash LoftonMBA. It's probably called MBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at Prize Fix. And also, I want to encourage you at the top of the podcast, as I always do, to make us your first listen each and every day. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere. You get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And I'll take you behind the curtain. It's actually quite late into the evening on Saturday into Sunday. All is well. Just one of those uh, weird life things. I had to kind of delay my watch of this game. I had to rearrange some things. But thank you for listening to the podcast, as wherever you may be on this. Uh, now it's actually officially Christmas Eve on this Sunday. And plan to get to on this podcast. It might be a little, a little bit shorter than usual as I'm trying to fly through this one late in the evening, but still planning to touch on in what became a 125-119 to 119 loss for the Hawks at home against Memphis. Um, back-to-back losses for the Hawks um, on back-to-back nights. Um, once on the road on Friday against Miami, and then uh, back at home on Saturday. Uh, for instance, this, this game, the folks at FanDuel made the Hawks a one-and-a-half point favorite in this game, similar to kind of where the number was uh, maybe in the other direction on Friday night. Um, still, though, like the Hawks have just not won enough of these coin flip games this year. Lots of those like 55-45 kind of games, and the Hawks just haven't been able to win too many of them, and they're now 12-17 and 17 as Christmas arrives, and it comes with it a two-day break for the Hawks. Big picture, a very difficult schedule spot for Atlanta on this Saturday evening. The Hawks, of course, played in Miami the night before. It was a back-to-back with travel, and Memphis was off on Friday. A huge disadvantage there on paper. Also, it was the fourth game in six days for the Hawks, and the sixth game in nine days for the Hawks. So about as bad of a spot as you can have, other than being back at home, I suppose. By the way, for those uh, I've kind of talked about some schedule stuff in recent days about how the Hawks have certainly faced a more difficult schedule than most teams in the league. Part of that is that if you include tonight, the Hawks have now played 10 games this year, where they had a defined rest disadvantage. They've only had four games this year with a rest advantage. So it kind of tells you, like, between that and the teams you're playing, it's been pretty tough sledding for the Hawks in some respects. But still, um, the real reason why this, why this game kind of went the wrong way for Atlanta was a lack of defensive firepower in the second half. Now, I'll come back to it later on, but in the first half, the Hawks were pretty good defensively in this game. In the second half, it was really, really ugly. Um, the top line number is 75 points allowed to Memphis in the half, which is, of course, a ton. Even if you sort of adjust for pace, it's a lot of points in, any, in sort of any setting. But the Grizzlies had a 150, yes, 150 offensive rating in the second half. That means they scored a point and a half every possession for the entire half. So that is crazy. That's a crazy number. The lead leader is like 1.23 or so right now. And that's that's sort of a, a, a historic number. Indiana right now. So 1.50 is wild stuff. In the third quarter, when Memphis scored 40 points, they actually had a 167 offensive rating in the third quarter. So they shot the ball incredibly well in that period, the entire half, really. 57% from the floor, only two turnovers in the entire second half. 
And part of that was great offense from Memphis. Desmond Bain was just fantastic for the Grizzlies in particular. But part of that, though, is that the Hawks are just not very good defensively on, on the perimeter in particular without all the guys they were without in this game. And, you know, still, the defense at the end of the floor, again, had to do the Hawks in the first half, as we'll come back to later on in the podcast. But big picture, they weren't good enough on the end of the floor in the entire game. A 125 defensive rating for the entire contest. Pretty bad. Um, Memphis shot over 60% on twos in this game. They had 76 points in the paint and 21 fast break points. Pretty bad stuff on the, on the margins there for the Hawks defense. Desmond Bain and John Morant are both star-level players. Bain is an underrated player still, but he's very, very good. And, of course, John is not underrated. He's obviously very, very good in himself. But those two guys combined to score um, 67 points in this game. Um, by the way, in the 10 minutes that Capella and Okongwu played together, as we'll come back to later on in the podcast, the Hawks were actually able to get stops on a high level. It's just that the offense sputtered in those minutes, and there are only two players that sort of can anchor the defense right now. Um, we'll come back to that more in a second as well. But offensively, it was pretty much an average night for Atlanta, which wasn't quite enough in this game. They actually had almost exactly what they are averaging for the season this year with a 119 offensive rating. Granted, Memphis was actually pretty good defensively coming into the night. A much better, sorry, much different team, I would say, without, without, with, with and without John Morant. I almost didn't even do much preview content on this game because Memphis is like all their numbers for the season are kind of like thrown out the window with John back. But the Hawks didn't shoot the ball well again from three-point range, which I guess that was probably the theme of the last two days offensively that the Hawks just did not make enough shots from the perimeter. Big picture. But they're very solid in other areas. 28 assists in this one for Atlanta. 11, 11 turnovers. Pretty much broke even on the free throw line in this game in terms of attempts. They had a nice balance with six guys in double figures, but just not quite like an awesome offensive effort. And then again, defensively in the second half, it just fell apart. So the Hawks were up 10 points at halftime in this game. And granted, with the back-to-back, probably probably some tire legs in there as well, but they just could not get enough stops. And uh, when you factor in how good the offense was at times in the second half, for them to blow a 10-point lead kind of tells you how bad the defense was along the way. We'll have more on this one and when it comes to like how it actually unfolded in a second, but first, some injury stuff before we dive into that. Um, DeAndre Hunter, of course, missed this game with right knee soreness. Once again, he missed both of the back, both ends of the back-to-back in this game. Obviously, that's a little bit troubling for a player with some knee history. Jalen Johnson is still out, so that was uh, the starting forwards were out in this game, and they're two best defensive forwards. Obviously, not a small loss. DeJounte Murray and Nekai Kongo were actually both questionable in this game. Both ended up playing. Um, hopefully, there's nothing to really see there, but something notable there. And then Kobe Bufkin was actually available to play in this game. He did not play, but he was available for the first time since he injured his thumb back on November 2nd. So about you know seven or eight weeks of the absence there. I'm actually going to play some video for you right now or audio if you're listening on the audio side. This is actually pregame because, again, Kobe did not play in this game. But I, I actually asked Quinn about kind of what it was like for Kobe to be out and what the team is looking for him now that he is back. You get Kobe back after almost two months away. What was it like for him to be out and be around the team for that long? Also, what do you expect from him now that he's back? Um, I think the biggest thing for him was just to work. You know, that, that's the expectation um, now that he's back as well. I, I think being around the team was good. Um, he got to you know, do the things he needs to do from a rehab standpoint, uh, working on the court while he could. He did everything that he was capable of doing, you know, with the basketball, um, you know, but it, it's, uh, it's good that he's going to have an opportunity to, to be healthy and to play, um, you know, wherever that, you know, whether he's playing here, he gets an opportunity to play 
in the G League, you know, I think the biggest thing for him is just to get, you know, get back on the court and get reps, you know, whether it's practice, games, any of that, and, uh, you know, see how, you know, he's progressing. And uh, I think the, the big part of that, that, that's been the case, it's hard to get better when you're hurt. Um, but being with the team, I think is helpful. Being in film sessions, being a part of preparation for games and game plans, those are all things that, um, you know, where you can gain experience even if you're not playing. And he, you know, he embraced all that stuff. But it's different when you get an opportunity to play, and I know he's excited. So there's that and a little bit of foreshadowing from Quinn in that answer about how, you know, they want Kobe to play, but it might be in College Park some, might, might be practices some. There is no guarantee, as we saw tonight, he's going to be playing with the big league club. That's um, understandable in my mind with where they are right now, but um, we'll see where he is on the floor next when it comes to game action. But he's, he's back to practice and was available to play in this spot. Last thing, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported that Jalen Johnson can return as soon as Tuesday against against Chicago. Not a huge surprise because he's been practicing again. I heard a little bit about this over the weekend. Um, and uh, I actually was hearing that it might be either Tuesday or potentially Friday at home where the Hawks have uh, a couple of days in between games to ramp him up in between the Tuesday road game in Chicago and the home game on Friday. But um, it seems like all indications are that it might be likely this week. I never want to assume that a guy will be back until he's actually back. But between the reporting from Woj and what I heard behind the scenes, like I think by Friday probably is going to be uh, something to circle on Jalen Johnson. And obviously the Hawks could use him in a major way. So a little bit of uh, positivity there at the end of this segment. But still, no Hunter, no Johnson, no Griffin, etc. And they were uh, shorthanded, to say the least, in this game. And defensively, it's been the story for the last several weeks. But without Jalen, and in particular without Jalen and Hunter, it is tough sledding defensively. And we saw that in this game, as we'll talk about more in a second. But first, it were from our sponsors on today's podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holidays are here, whether or not your family gives gifts during this time of year, you get to define how you give to yourself, and the holidays are a great time to do that overall. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough times, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, perhaps, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change that can come this time of year. It can also be something to look forward to, so it can make you look, look and feel grounded, and can even give you the tools to manage everything going on in your life. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is the place to go ahead and do that right now. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. And the best thing to do there is to fill out a brief questionnaire with BetterHelp. They'll actually match you with a licensed therapist. If you ever want to change therapists, you can do so at any time for no additional charge. They make everything easy for you with BetterHelp. Find a bright spot this season with BetterHelp. And the place to go is BetterHelp.com slash NBA today for 10% off on your first month with BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp dot com slash locked on NBA one more time better help that's better H E L P dot com slash locked on NBA all right so the game flow now on this one from a Saturday evening at State Farm Arena controversy at the beginning of the game with the Hawks starting Garrison Matthews again I talked about this a little bit yesterday on the podcast but if you missed it my standard response right now to the Hawks choosing to do this is number one they are not saying that he's better than Bogey. Bogey is slotted into a role in particular, which is why he's not starting. That's very obvious at this point in time. But I still said this last night. I'll say it again now. I would have started a Kongwu with Capella in this game. And then if you needed to, I would have played Bruno Fernando 10, 15 minutes if I had to, to kind of fill in the gaps. It does not send me into a rage to start Garrison Matthews. I think there's like it's kind of harmless in a lot of ways. He's going to play anyway, probably, with where the Hawks are right now. But um, that's where I am. That's the short answer of where I would be at this point in time. 
Boston had a nice run early in the first quarter, a 12-4 push to go up by seven points. Um, speaking of rotation, though, by the way, only eight guys played for Atlanta. That's pretty surprising in the NBA this time of year in particular, and also on a back-to-back to have eight guys play. Now, part of that is that the Hawks were without a bunch of players available in this game um, injury-wise. And I think part of that is that Wes Matthews has not been playing the back end of back-to-backs, basically not playing both ends of the back-to-backs most of the time. He did it once this year, but they're kind of trying to watch his minutes. But all that said, it was a Congo and Bogey off the bench, as you might expect, but it was Seth Lundy as the eighth man in this game. He didn't play a ton, but 19 minutes, he actually played He actually played more than Garrison Matthews did in this game. We'll talk about more about how he played later on. But it made sense to me. Like, Of course, I am a um, longtime Seth Lundy advocate. I was wanting the Hawks to draft him back in June, um, well before the draft actually happened. But he is bigger, and he is still a threat to shoot, unlike some of the guys that they have on the roster, like like, like your Trent Forrest types. And then defensively, he's, he's a rookie. He's not going to be like a lockdown guy, but he's got enough tools there to be okay. So um, I like that move in general. He wasn't great in this game. I will just say that right now. But um, I like that sort of investment, especially with all the guys out that they have in this game. They're upset. The Hawks were up by seven points in the first quarter. They actually had 10 assists in the first period, and they shot 9-11 on twos. DeJounte had a pretty good start with 10 points in the first quarter of this one. They're up by nine. Actually, Seth Lundy had his first career three, so congratulations to Seth on that. Um, a crazy thing here, Garrison Matthews took his first two-point attempt of the season, yes, of the entire season tonight. He's been playing a decent amount for a while, but he has been a pure specialist on offense, only threes until tonight. He actually missed it, but it was a notable occasion nonetheless. In the middle of the quarter, Memphis closed the gap with an 11-2 run to tie the game. I thought Capella was really good on both ends of the floor in the first half in particular. He was really good in this game. I thought walling off the rim defensively, finishing well around the rim, keeping the ball alive in the glass, a great rebounder, of course. Um, and the Hawks had a nice little push late in the first half. A 13-4 run to go up by double digits again. They were up 10 at the half, despite shooting 5 of 23 from 3. That's actually pretty impressive. They had four guys with 9 points or more with Murray, 15 points to lead the way. They had 17 second chance points in the first half. That's crazy um, in, in a good way. Five turnovers. They forced 10 turnovers defensively. Um, Memphis, though, was shooting the ball very poorly before halftime. They were 3 of 17 from 3. Uh, let's just say that did not continue because Memphis wasn't, like, incredible after that, but they were 8 of 16, which is obviously much better and uh, pretty impactful down the stretch. But as I talked about earlier, it was kind of that tail two halves thing defensively for the Hawks. In the first half, they allowed 50 points on 50 possessions. So one point per possession. That's absolutely elite stuff. In the second half, it was 1.5 per possession. So that's a huge, huge, huge difference between two halves in this game, in the same game, and it's sort of uh, is why the Hawks lost this one in the end. So after halftime, it didn't go well early on. A early 16-2 run by Memphis to kind of erase the lead in pretty quick fashion. The Hawks only had six points in the first four minutes of the second half. And Memphis was really hot, obviously. They were the entire half, but really especially early on. They scored 36 points in the, in the third quarter in the first nine minutes. They were shooting the ball incredibly well. Desmond Bain was the big story of the second half. He ended up with 31 points after halftime, including 18 in the third quarter. The Hawks, again, personnel-wise, don't really have anybody to kind of throw at Desmond Bain. In the first half, they kind of got lucky a little bit and that he was missing shots. Second half, not so much. And, like, all, think about the guys they played tonight. Bogey can't guard Desmond Bain. Seth Lundy, you know, Godspeed, Seth, you're a rookie. Go ahead and go. They tried it. It was not a disaster, but they, you know, that's not great. Sadiq Bey can't do it. Um, Trey can't do it. DeJounte, maybe in theory, but he 
can't do it at this point in time. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of evident in some respects. And, you know, Coy did say after the game that they thought that, uh, you know, transition-wise was kind of uh, impact there and kind of got Baden going a little bit. I tend to agree. Like, it was, uh, it's always interesting when a guy who's it's like a star-level player sees the ball go in the basket. And once he did, it was off and running for Bain after halftime. But the Hawks, though, did get – actually managed to close the lead, close the third quarter with the lead, I should say, after Trey and Bogey closed the quarter well in the third. Um, kind of crazily, the Hawks shot 12-18 from the floor in the third quarter. So that's two-thirds of their shots they made. And they lost the quarter by seven points because Memphis was going crazy in the third period. In the fourth, Congo uh, had a huge block on John Morant. They kind of got lost after the game, but it was a monster, monster play by Congo to meet Ja at the summit, basically, and send him away. And that led to Trey tying the game up with a floater and just an awesome play by Congo. By um, not a lot of guys make, make that play across the league. Um, they played a stretch in the fourth quarter with like, with my ideal five right now. Again, without Jail and without, without Hunter, it would be the two starting guards, Bogey and the two centers. And they did that for a while. They ultimately closed with Bay. But I thought it was, they probably could have stayed with that a little bit longer if they had to. There was a big swing that I think Quinn talked about after the game, um, specifically that I also had written down, that um, Bogey missed a three mid-quarter. It was a, good, it was a really good look. And then Bain hit a three on the next possession. So it was one of those classic six-point swings. Um, just pretty good looks. Just one fell, one didn't. Pretty good shot by Bogey. Just didn't go in. Um, there you go. Um, ended up actually being down by nine with four minutes to go because the Hawks had six straight trips in a row. They were empty, no points. Uh, I thought Trey pushed one uh, pretty aggressively and not not, a, not the greatest way. Akongu took a bad jump shot, I thought, in that, in that stretch as well. And then this actually also had a pretty tough break on a loose ball defensively where it just kind of kicked to Bain, who was wide open at that point in time, and it was pretty unlucky for an open three. And that put the Hawks down by seven points. At that point, that was then it was nine again. Um, Bay finally made a shot. Actually, they hadn't scored in about three and a half minutes to kind of get back into the game. And the Capella had a great defensive play on Jaw one on one to get a stop. Actually, and they had a chance to score twice in pretty advantageous situations on the ensuing trip. It just didn't score. So the biggest controversial play of the night, I will say, was the extremely obviously missed goaltending call that should have been levied to Jaw Morant, and it was not called. That would have made the game a four-point game with a couple minutes to go. Um, I will say this now. The Hawks would still be underdogs if that call was made. But because it wasn't made, it was, instead of being a four-point game, it was a seven-point game because not only did the play the, the basket not count, Trey was then called for a take foul, which gave the Grizzlies a free point. And it was very, very obviously goaltending, both in real time on the broadcast and also uh, on replay, it was even more staggering. So just a totally blown call. And that's one of those where you can't review it. So it's like, you know, just a disaster for the Hawks. Uh, they did force a turnover on this, on this possession, did Bay on Jaron Jackson, and traded a three. But um, another pretty blue, brutal loose ball foul right after that on that was a, a, a sort of assessed when Jaron Jackson went flying, uh, pretty pretty much sold the call. That wasn't as bad as the goaltending call, but two really, really, really tough calls within about a minute for the Hawks down the stretch. And again, I already said it once, I'll say it again now. I'm not saying the Hawks win this game without, without those calls. But then again, they finished by, with a six-point margin. They were pretty important swings um, at home, unfortunately, against you. It's kind of tough to say. Um, anyway, they did have a, sort of a gift from Bialma missing two free, free throws in the panel on uh, 90 seconds of the game or so. But the rest of the way, um, Trey missed a point-blank layup. That would have kept them kind of alive. Again, they were still trailing and probably would have lost the game anyway. But that kind of ended it for me because he missed it. And then Kong was the follow-up. It's kind of over at that point in time. He did make a three. Which we'll come back to Trey actually uh, sort of 
nudging up the historical record book with a three at the end of this game. But Bain was the huge was the huge factor in the fourth quarter and really the whole second half. And they just could not get stops. And yes, they got a little bit fortunate in the first half with Memphis's shot making, but they just couldn't contain the ball. And look, John Morant can get anywhere against anybody for the most part. So that's kind of a separate discussion. But Desmond Bain is a great shooter. He's not like this super dynamic guy off the off the dribble, and they, they could not stay in front of him in this game, which is obviously a little bit shaky. And uh, not breaking any ground here for listening to this podcast for a while, the Hawks defensively are not good on the perimeter, and it is even more glaring without Hunter in jail and both, and uh, just that was where the game swung in this one, and it swung away from the Hawks. All right, we'll have more on this game in a second, but first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Okay, we're up at the show now with the look at the player-by-player evaluations in this one, and probably pretty quickly, actually, because only eight guys played in the spot. So Seth Lundy played the least off the bench, 19 minutes for Seth and his most prominent NBA minutes to date. Uh, three points on one of seven shooting, one of six from three in this one, two rebounds, um, minus nine, a game worst for the Hawks in this game. And I'll say this now, broadly speaking, the six guys that the Hawks wanted to play in this game, um, basically their, their core six that are available, in addition to Jalen and DeAndre Hunter, uh, plus maybe AJ is the ninth guy. But, uh, they were all pretty decent in different ways. The two guys that they did not want to play play right now were not great. Um, I thought Garrison was worse. As we'll come back to in a second. I thought Lundy, um, as much as I like him, he was not very effective in this game. Defensively, decent effort, but not the best execution. And then, of course, one seven from the floor. And that's going to be, I don't worry about his shooting at all. Seth Lundy is a good shooter. Same with Garrison Matthews, but even, even more so for Seth for the future. But in this game, uh, he wasn't disastrous. I don't think he killed them by any means, but he wasn't great. And that was certainly worth noting. Uh, Akongwu played pretty well, I thought, off the bench. 10 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, including the monster one on jaw. Did have 3 turnovers in this game and was 5 of 8 on 2s, 0 of 2 from 3. Um, nice flashes, wasn't dominant, but I thought he gave them like a B-plus game for the most part in this one. Bogey has cooled off. Obviously, he had the pretty bad second half on Friday, and he was 6 of 15 tonight with a 2 of, two of 8 from 3. Um, 16 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists for Bogey. Still, like, reasonably efficient. Not not efficient overall, but not, like, calamitous when he misses shots. But obviously, uh, the Hawks are better when he's cooking, and he's not cooking the last game and a half or so. To the starters, Garrison Matthews, 14 minutes. Um, pretty tough to play 14 minutes with no foul trouble and uh, eight in rotation, and you're starting. But the Hawks kind of just buried him. Like, I think he played the first five minutes of the, four, of the third quarter, and that was it for him for the rest of the game. I'm okay with that. I don't think he was very good when he played, but um, you know, didn't score, missed all three shots, had an assist, had a steal, a rebound, and we'll leave it there for now. Sadiq Bey. Um, the shooting has been a problem now for Sadiq for a while. Last eight games for Sadiq Bey, he is 13 of 54 from three. Is that a huge sample size? No. But when he misses shots, he starts A, passing on shots, and also B, getting guarded differently. So, like, I think that's hurting them in a lot of ways. Defensively, he was at least scrapping in this one. He's very limited on defenses I've been talking about for a long time. But I thought he rebounded the ball pretty well. Six rebounds, two assists, two steals. I don't think he played that badly. Just the shooting's not going down. And then defensively, you kind of have to hide him in a spot where it's tough to hide anybody right now without Jalen and DeAndre. Uh, Capella, I thought, was excellent in this one. 20 points, 12 rebounds, two blocks in 30 minutes. He was 4-4 from the free throw line, by the way. I think he's made 18 free throws in a row. Just a crazy, crazy stretch for Clint Capella. Shouts to him. He's been very, very good for several weeks now. And uh, obviously one of the bright spots in this one. Only two guys for the Hawks had plus in the plus-minus category. It was Clint and it was Trey. And that, that was kind of fitting in a lot of ways, I thought. Um, DeJounte Murray was pretty solid in this one. 
26 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. I thought he gave pretty good defensive effort in this one, honestly. Um, he was 6 of 9 on 2s, 4 of 6 from 3. I thought he played well. I don't think he was like an A+, but certainly uh, better than he has been playing for a lot of times recently. And then Trey, lots to get to here. Trey wasn't perfect by any means in this game. 30 points though, 13 assists, 5 rebounds, two turnovers, and plus 2. He was only 8 of 14 on 2, which is actually fine. 3 of 10 from 3, Mr. Free Throws. But um, the crazy thing here is that I waited, I waited until, now, until now to talk about it. Trey Young is now tied for the all-time record for consecutive 30-10 games, and he is only tied with Oscar Robertson. He is now above Michael Jordan. He's above Tony Archibald. He is above Russell Westbrook. Uh, it's pretty crazy. This is a uh, it's obviously a little bit arbitrary with 30 and 10, but man, to be tied with Oscar for the all-time record and have a real chance at it on Tuesday in Chicago, pretty crazy stuff. So this is this was not Trey's best game. I thought he played fairly well at times, but um, yeah, the fact that he can kind of get, Keep the uh, streak going at the end of it. There'll be a lot of extra eyeballs, I would say, on Tuesday if he starts to get a rack, rack, rack up numbers in the second half against Chicago and uh, might be a little bit of history made on Tuesday. I, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen because that's certainly hard to do ever with that 30 and 10, and he does it all the time, but uh, certainly something to circle on Tuesday's game in Chicago. All right, that's all I have on a quicker podcast than usual on a Saturday. And again, now it's Sunday morning as I record this podcast. But hopefully, you will have some patience with my uh, speed here. When it comes to getting out, getting in, and getting out on this particular game at this particular hour, and uh, now a couple days off for the Hawks between now and Christmas. Um, usually, the team will let guys go home for a day, day and a half, and then they kind of regather in advance of the game on Tuesday. Um, so TBD on all of that. But um, obviously, they play Tuesday in Chicago. That's some, that's one of the circle. The Bulls have been playing fairly decent basketball for a while now. They actually started out the season just terribly. Like terribly, it was they were getting mean all over the place. They're playing awful, but they lost tonight against Cleveland. But they've been playing pretty decent basketball in the recent days. In fact, they have a similar record to the Hawks at this point in time. So uh, nothing easy there on the road, and we'll talk about that game much, much more coming up in the future. Also, some plugs into the, the podcast. Please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. Places like Apple, Spotify, also YouTube. And if you are a big subscriber and a big proponent of the show, download the podcast multiple times. That's definitely appreciated as well. Ratings and reviews, and crucially, 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 tell a friend or a family member about the podcast, especially this time of year. It's the holidays. If you're around some folks that are not always around, hey, check out this podcast. Walton Hawks, it covers the team in depth, et cetera, et cetera. And I appreciate all the support and all the shares and all the you know folks that are trying to help us spread the word about the podcast. It's not um, certainly overlooked by me. It's very much appreciated. And uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, as always. So please follow the show across your podcast platforms. And with, uh, I'm not sure when I'll have have the next podcast. At the very latest, I'll be back after the game on Tuesday. Probably take a day or or two off here for Christmas. But uh, Tuesday, Chicago at the very least. And we'll have a podcast after that game. Stay tuned. We'll see you all next time.